The year is 2000. The world awaits with bated breath to see if the new millennium will bring the downfall of man. And one network had the audacity to create a film about bowling. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Decommunist, my podcast where we discuss Disney Channel original movies. This week for episode one, we are going to talk about Alley Cat Strike. And before we get into that, I'd like to take a moment to start off by saying, hey, wow, uh, thank you so much for deciding to click play and listen to my podcast. I really appreciate it. We're brand new here, so if you hate it, if you love it, either way, let me know. And if you hate it, I won't stop. But if you love it, I'll keep going and know in my heart of hearts that you love it. Uh, I'm going to be flying solo, flying solo, flying solo for this first episode. Hopefully, I will have a co-host, a guest host, whatever you want to call it, for the next episode. Um, but if not, you know, learn to suffer, learn to love me. Those things are synonymous. So let's jump right into it. Alley Cat Strike. Uh, The movie, like I mentioned earlier, came out March 18th of 2000, of course, on the Disney Channel. Where else? This is Decommunist. And it's about a a bunch of kids who are in junior high. They go to West Appleton Junior High, and their school competes with their number one rival, East Appleton Junior High. A classic rivalry. uh, Shakespearean, almost, if you will. For a little trophy called the Mighty Apple. The Mighty Apple is won by the school throughout the course of the year. Each uh, Their sports teams win points. Whoever has the most points at the end gets the Mighty Apple. This is the last year of East and West Appleton Junior High. Next year, they're merging. Uh Uh-oh. So whoever wins the Mighty Apple this year gets it forever. So as you can imagine, the stakes have never been higher. At the beginning of the film, West Appleton is behind. They win a clutch basketball game and tie up the race. Now, never in the history of the Mighty Apple has the race been tied at the end of the year. We look in the school charter. We find the tiebreaker. East Appleton picks bowling. Bum, bum, bum. Bowling is lame and geeky and only the weird nerdy kids do it. But the school does have a bowling club. And guess who was prank signed up for the bowling club at the beginning of the year? Golden boy, Todd McElmore. He won the basketball game. He won the baseball game. He won the track. He won the tennis. He puts his city on his back and is going to do the same thing for the bowling tournament. Here's the only problem, folks. Todd doesn't know how to bowl. So he has to team up with these four kids Alex, Elisa, Ken, and Delia, and they're going to teach him how to bowl. He's a little cocky. They're a little standoffish. They don't like the concept of the competition. They like to bowl to have fun. They're the soul skaters of the bowling world. Can they come together, conquer their differences, keep their friendships intact, and get their school that gosh darn mighty apple? Of course they can, you guys. This is a Disney Channel movie. They get the stupid, stinking, mighty apple. It's a great, heartwarming film. Everybody learned something. I learned a lot. But maybe some of what I learned wasn't exactly what the movie creators wanted me to take away as the moral of the story. First and foremost, Appleton is a real place. Appleton, Wisconsin exists. It's about 30 minutes outside of Green Bay. And I've never been. Googled it. Really lovely looking town. Home to Lawrence University. 
That will become relevant in a minute. In the movie, East and West Appleton have sort of dueling products. West Appleton is known for their delicious apple cider. East Appleton, apple pies. They make a wager at the beginning if, you know, 40 gallons of apple pie or 40 gallons of apple pie, 40 gallons of apple cider or 40 apple pies to the victor goes the spoils. As I'm sitting watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, you guys, Appleton, Wisconsin has really nothing to do with apples. It's not their primary export. I'm honestly not even sure if they have an apple orchard within city limits. They're named Appleton because Samuel Appleton donated $10,000 to Lawrence University back in the 1800s. And they're like, oh, wow, what a cool, fun, fun-loving kind of guy. Let's name our town after him. Generous people always get towns named after them. That's the way of the world. So nothing to do with apples, which leads me to the conclusion that whoever wrote this beautiful teleplay was sitting in front of a map of America, tossed a dart, and said, Appleton, oh, Appleton, what do they love at Appleton? Well, that's first things first. They love apples. They love tons of them. Tons of apples, Appleton. And they also love bowling. All right, we got a bowling movie set in Appleton with apples and bowling. Should they bowl with the apples? No, Timothy, that's too crazy. Calm down. This is a movie for Disney Channel. Save that for the Oscars. I uh, I have some bad news for you guys. I don't know who wrote this movie. I doubt his name was Timothy, but if it is, you all owe me five dollars. So I just had to get that little, that little piece, uh, piece off my chest about Appleton not having real apples. It had nothing to do with apples. It's not crucial to the film, but they mention it enough that I got annoyed while I was watching it. And honestly, I googled Wis- Appleton, Wisconsin name origins, and I had to get to the bottom of this because I just I knew it wasn't apples, and gosh darn it, I was right. And there's nothing more I love than being right. Actually, there is something I love more than being right, and that's telling you who was in this movie. Kyle Schmidt, who, um, scrolling through his IMDb, didn't do much after this, but he plays Alex, the leader of the um, sort of geeky 50s-loving kids, whose dad owns a bowling alley. He loves bowling. He can't get enough. He wakes up every morning, goes to the old-timey diner for breakfast, and then bowls. I wish I was making that up. That's what actually happens in this movie. Robert Richard, who you might know as Samuel L. Jackson's son in Coach Carter or cousin to Skeeter in Cousin Skeeter, he plays Todd McElmore, golden boy sports guy, who, uh, who can, really, um, can really slam dunk the balls, so to speak. I don't know. He's very talented. And then Kaylee Cuoco is uh, one of the gals that is on Alex's bowling team. Um, I think we all know Kaylee Cuoco. She was in uh, a very successful, and I almost feel silly having to say this, but a very successful um, series of commercials with William Shatner and nothing else ever. And then rounding out uh, the IMDb point of interest people, Mimi Paley. You don't know Mimi Paley? Me either. But I clicked through her page just to see what was what. And good old memers, she was in a little flick uh, back in 2015. So she's still current. She's still getting work. A little picture called Dick Pick Nightmares. I'm not kidding. You can go to IMDBB and look up Mimi Paley. Guess what? Dick Pick Nightmares. Did I click through to watch Dick Pick Nightmares? No, I didn't. The title so elegantly 
captures the spirit of the film that simply reading those three words, I was like, I get it. I get what this movie is about. I can rest easy at night knowing that Mimi is still working and I will never, ever watch that. (laughs) Um, The dads in this movie, perfect dad casting. Todd's dad, Golden Boy Sports Boy's dad, is played by Tim Reed. Oh, what's that? You don't know who Tim Reed is? Yes, you do, you liar. Tim Reed is the dad in Sister, Sister. Oh, yeah. He loves a Disney Channel. Disney Channel original movie. Disney Channel original show. Tim Reed is my kind of guy. The other dad, Alex's dad, who owns the bowling alley where this big championship takes place, played by Matt McCoy. You don't know Matt McCoy? Uh, I don't care if you don't know Matt McCoy, because every 90s TV dad had the same spirit, and Matt McCoy was the literal perfect casting choice. Matt McCoy was also in Passport to Paris, an incredible Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. And honestly, I did have the thought that in like three years when I'm done with this podcast and I've talked about all the Disney Channel movies I want to talk about, we're going to go back and we're going to start over with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movies and Passport to Paris is going to be the first one I talk about. But no, Matt McCoy is just, uh, just imagine in your head a TV, a made-for-TV movie dad and you've got Matt McCoy. He's the kind of dad that you'll be sort of sitting out on your front porch in a white swing, looking as the leaves fall and just drinking in that classic Americana. And he'll come sit outside and he'll throw his arm around your shoulder and say, do you have a rough day at school? You'll be like, oh, dad, you wouldn't get it. He's like, I was a kid once too. And then he'll tell you some heartwarming tale from his childhood that kind of helps you out, but mostly just makes you think, well, at least he's trying. That is Matt McCoy. And he... I applaud whoever said, let's get Matt in this movie, because they made the absolute correct choice. Um, A bowling movie, you guys, without any reference to the Big Lebowski, seems almost sacrilegious. It seems sac-bowling-ligious. Is that a word? It is now. I just made it up. It seems sac-bowling-ligious. And you might be sitting here listening going, uh, Jessica, you really think that a movie on the Disney Channel is going to reference the Big Lebowski? You must be out of your gosh darn head. Um, I would like to submit the following quote into evidence, Alex, after, as I mentioned, he woke up and went to the old-timey diner and then went to go bowl in the morning. Says, quote, I love the smell of rental shoes in the morning. That is, of course... A spin on, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, a quote from Apocalypse Now. And honestly, Apocalypse Now is so the opposite of Disney Channel that they could have frickin' put in a big Lebowski reference. It wouldn't have to even be anything big. Maybe just talk about an area rug for like three seconds. And the people that know will know, and the people that don't know will be like, okay, classic rug joke. I love a good rug joke. Um, Rug joke sounds dirtier than I mean it. If you've seen the big Lebowski, you get it. So you guys are now all in the exact same position as anyone else who would have watched this movie had they made that joke. No one's hurt. No one's offended. We're all just either delighted or confused. And isn't that the way that you want to go through life anyway? Delighted and confused. Speaking of delighted and confused, the ratings on this movie, uh, they make me scratch my head. The number one source of movie rating knowledge, info, whatever the heck you want to call it, to some people is Rotten Tomatoes. TBH, Rotten Tomatoes can kind of grind on my gears a little bit because I think people are just mean or nice on it because they want to be. They think it's funny to 
trash a movie, even if it's just kind of okay. And okay movies like Alley Cat Strike, it has a freshness rating of 51%. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty low. Even for a TV movie, that seems almost rude. But the people over at Amazon, the people who I'm assuming went to Amazon to buy this movie, possibly on VHS, hopefully on DVD, they're the ones who wake up in the morning and they look out the window and just sort of, <sighs> Alley Cat Strike is a real movie. They have that thought every morning. And they gave the movie a 4.5 out of 5. And those are the people that I love and respect. And those are the people that I hope tune into my podcast. And we all just have a great, 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 great time. The movie is about bowling, as I've probably said about 18 million times. I don't know a lot about bowling in terms of scoring or history or the culture or the league. But what I do know about bowling is that every time I've been to a bowling alley, there's been like a lime green ball and a blue ball and a shiny pink ball. And I love it. And it's like, pick the one that you can throw and that fits your fingers and have an absolute blast. Every stinking kid in this movie had a black ball. Like, think of the bowling emoji. That's what they looked like every time they went bowling. You got to have a little, a little pizzazz, guys. You got to have a little zip, a little pep. Get a little crazy. Get a little wacky. Get a little zany. Live your life for once. Stop, you know, tossing that black ball to get them pins a rolling. Get a blue one. Get one with like a gold detail around the thumb hole. I don't know, something. But no, they all had the same black ball and they all had the same black shoes with a silver toe. If I'm being honest, the silver toe was a nice touch. But since they all had the same one, I wasn't into it. What I was into was East Appleton's team. They had um, sweatsuits, bowling training sweatsuits that were just crew neck sweaters and, uh, you know, sweatpants with like the elastic around the ankle. But, oh, it was a fresh look. You know, the freaking West Appleton, who we're supposed to be rooting for, I suppose. Bunch of slobs. None of them could bother to match until the final game. East Appleton had sort of that you know, that Russian team vibe, like they were getting trained by uh, a professional bowler, they were matching, they just, you, they, you, they were the villain, but they were the villain because they were good and because they were dedicated to the sport, and I'm not going to hate on them for that. That's like hating LeBron James, like, sorry, not sorry, he's good at basketball, let's all move on. And let's all move on to maybe a too serious analysis of this movie. The not the main point, the main point is definitely the quest for the Mighty Apple, but a huge part of the underlying tone of the movie is, you know, nobody wants to bowl anymore, bowling's out of date, bowling's tacky, and the kids sort of try to make bowling more relevant to their peers, and the contest definitely does that, they have this big party, they get a freaking, like, cosmic bowling vibe going on, they have lasers, they have colorful pins, they finally have hip-hop music instead of swing. So they're trying to sort of bridge the gap. And I'm wondering, and I'm not wondering, I'll just say I'm feeling like with this movie coming out so early in 2000, the beginning of the new millennium, if that's not supposed to be sort of a commentary on switching into the new year, uh, that was kind of a turning point in a lot of ways. You know, the big turning point you know, coming up the next year for a lot of stuff. But technology was switching People were starting to wear metallic clothes, and I think the movie was just sort of commenting on the fact, like, hey, 
yeah, so much of society is changing, but we can still remember kind of the core values of the past. Here, bowling, community, having fun with your friends, just doing something for the heck of it, enjoying yourself. That can carry on into the future, into this brand new world with hip-hop music and all, you know, all that jazz. Something that I think is, it's probably a crime. I'll have to check the Illinois law books. But I really enjoy watching things um, on YouTube, like clip shows or whatever, like 10 best movie deaths, 10 best blah, blah, blah. And I've seen a lot of those about sports movies, and nobody has ever included Alley Cat Strike in a montage about the best sports movies. And I will be the first to admit that the whole film belong in one of those montages? No, it doesn't. It's a mediocre bowling movie at best. There's like three or four bowling movies, and this is probably at the bottom of the list. No offense. But the last scene. Oh, you guys, let me set the stage. Okay, we're tied up. Alex has to get three strikes to tie. Does he? He sure does. That's called a turkey. A little bowling tip for me to you. East Appleton Bowler also has to get three strikes to keep their lead. Does he get it? Boom, boom, boom. Three strikes. Oh, no. Oh, no. We need a strike or a spare to win. Golden boy Todd up at the plate, up at the throw line, whatever the term is in bowling, throws it. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's got a 7-10 split. Huh? Oh, no. 7-10 split. Jessica, what's a 7-10 split? A 7-10 split. Imagine in your head the triangle of the bowling pins. The 7-10 split is the two back pins on the last row. So they are essentially as far away from each other as any pair of pins can be. You're basically throwing a ball into a field goal and you have to make the field goal pose touch one another. Todd can't do it. It's been established throughout the whole movie. He's practiced, he's tried, he can't do it. Who's that? Who's that piping up? It's little tiny Delia. Little tiny Delia is not a bowler. We have not seen her bowl the whole movie. What she does is, you know, map out bowling strategies on her computer. She's just there for the the science of it. She's always talking about physics and velocity and torque and blah, blah, blah. Delia's like, you guys, I got this. I can make this shot. And you're like, what, Delia, you? But Todd put the city on his back. Todd can get us the victory. And Todd's like, no, you guys, Delia can do this. I trust Delia. Delia steps up, puts the ball on the ground. Normally, if you imagine bowling, you don't put the ball on the ground. You throw it and you roll it. Not Delia. Puts the ball on the ground, sticks her finger in, starts spinning it. The ball's rotating. She gently pushes it. It goes down the lane. And I counted, so know that I mean this when I say it. It is a full minute <laughs> of her ball going down the lane. And the whole time to build the tension, we're cutting to her watching, her teammates watching, the East Appleton people watching, the parents watching, the fans watching. Everyone's waiting, 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 waiting. 60 seconds. The ball touches the pin. It spins, 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 knocks over the other pin. Oh my God, West Appleton wins. There has not been a movie with more stress in a sports situation that I can remember. The only one that even comes close is to Space Jam, where Michael Jordan has to get one more point and all the monsters grab him and he freaking stretches his arm out like Stretch Armstrong and dunks it. It had that same level of intensity, if you can even imagine it. But every time I have gone bowling since, if I ever throw a 7-10 split, I'm like, I'm going to spin this. 
I don't want to just sort of push it down the lane. But I know what would happen. It would stop in the middle of the lane, and I have to get the bowling alley employee to come help me out. And that would be very embarrassing. Me being embarrassed aside, I'm going to call ESPN. If anybody has their number, please let me know. And I'm going to see what I can do about getting Alley Cat Strike at least that 60 seconds of pure tension added to the greatest sports movies list. It's going to be like, number one, A League of Their Own. Number two, some movie about football. <laughs> number three, that one scene in Alley Cat Strike. <gasps> yes, I can imagine it. And I think if this gets started and we all can come back to this exact point in time, and remember that we were all a part of it together. Um, well, you know what? That's kind of all I have to say about this movie. Um, <laughs> let me close out with a fun fact. Because I was researching this. And a fun fact. Uh, fun to me. <laughs> and it's not even about the movie. But as of 2014. So this could have changed. The Wikipedia article regarding Alley Cat Strike. Which I did read had the longest plot summary on the English language section of the site. So think about every movie that's ever existed. I'm going to include my personal favorite, Titanic, which is three hours long. The plot summary for Alley Cat Strike was longer than what somebody had written as the plot summary for Titanic. If you want to go and read the plot summary on Wikipedia for Alley Cat Strike, you'll have seen the movie. Whoever did it was like, this is my favorite movie, this is all I think about every day, blah, blah, blah. They probably didn't even watch the movie to write it. They had it all stored up in their brain. They're like, no, I got this. Uh, open on, a smiling kid putting on a t-shirt. Like, that's exactly how the movie opens. And they knew that. And they put it in Wikipedia. Okay. Wowsy, wowsy, wowsy. You guys, this was the first episode of Decommunist. I'm so glad that you're hearing this right now because it means you listen to all of it or you buffered through the end just to see how it wrapped up. Understandable. Live your life. I'm proud of you. I love you. I support you. But also, thank you for supporting me and thank you for listening to this. Again, thanks so much. Next week, whether I have a guest or not, I'm going to be talking about Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.